What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Ah, my name is Eugene. I'm a cool dude in a loose mood. The doctor said, you know, I ain't gonna make it much longer. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know.
party tonight, I got an idea. Why don't you say we go down to Louis Pizza? Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, so this is supposed to be a somber affair. Not that we try to do it too much here on Rock Strikes 10, But how can you really be in too much of a bad mood whenever Eugene makes the scene? But uh, yes, that was uh, uh, Eugene. That's a song that I smell early 80s post-disco novelty comedy rock and fun in that song. Uh, Crazy Joe and the Variable Speed Band led by a guy named Crazy Joe Renda, which I've never really found out too much about. But the main reason that most of us know about the existence of that song is for a few different reasons, mainly due to the fact that that rather endearing voice of Eugene was played by Ace Fraley, who was still in Kiss at the time in 1981, basically, barely. I mean, yeah, but technically and legally he was. He went and did that song with some friends of his, obviously having a lot of fun, and it's a fun track. I play that song, and if you saw the show title, you know why I did, as a way to kick off this tribute show, this very special episode, because this guy, you're going to hear this a lot, not just from me, but from other people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some other people come in and talk here on this show, uh, but a guy who was definitely a really stand-up classy guy from all accounts. Not that he's going to tell you that, because this was a very humble man, uh, but a very talented man, a very nice fellow. And in my couple of brief interactions with him, uh, definitely left an impression on me. But this is a special tribute show to the life and career of John Reagan, bass player by trade, but once again, talented dude, the glue in any band for sure. And that was definitely him on the bass, playing that great funky bass right there. And he got an arrangement credit on that song as well. So uh, not just a bass player, but an arranger and a guy that, like I said, he's the glue. He keeps things together. You'll hear that quite a bit as well. But John, man, what a career. Because, yeah, he's obviously not a household name, but why dwell on that? Because I would give most anything, most anything, not everything, but... To have that kind of a career and to be associated in zero degrees of separation 
with some all-time icons. And yeah, yeah, I'm a KISS guy. This is definitely not just going to be about Ace for sure, but Ace is very low on that list, honestly, when you get down to it, when it comes to absolute all-timers, people you put on your resume to look bitchin'. Not that he ever would. But yeah, you're going to hear from all these different artists that were associated with John Reagan, people that he wrote for and played for. And in most cases, I think I'm getting all co-writes on here as well from John Reagan. I'll let you know as we go. And for a guy that just simply enough just wrote Happy Birthday, Joey, on my damn Facebook wall every year without fail, I feel like I owe it to him not just to do a show where I play songs that he played on, uh, anything that your average wiki reader could do. I went to town on the life and career of John Reagan. I did a lot of digging. I did a lot of extra research. I looked at physical album credits. I looked everywhere I could, whether it's Discogs or whether scrolling through years and years and basically a decade of this man's Facebook feed and any other kind of social media feed he had. I did the damn work because I feel like I owe it to him. But even if I never interacted with him or if he never wrote on my wall, I feel like this is a tribute worthy of someone who actually deserves the respect being in this industry. And there's not a ton of people that deserve the respect that this man earned. There's a lot of scumbags in the business, but he was definitely one of the good ones. So we're paying tribute to him here on Rock Strikes 10. And yeah, full disclosure, I actually planned on playing like Fractured 2 from Fraley's Comet to open up the show, almost kind of in a somber tone, but kind of glad I called the Audible and went with Eugene. I hope he's okay with that. I hope he would be okay with me playing Eugene. I never really heard him talk about that one. So I don't know if he hates it or not, but hey, it's keeping us in a loose mood. So moving on here, I talked about some of the bigs of all time that he's worked with. Hey, let's start with this one right here. I'm basically going to go in chronological order. And 100% without a doubt, this next one that we're going to play here on the show is for sure the first thing I ever bought and owned that John Reagan played on, as it could be a handful of you out there as well. And it's definitely a good time to bring up the fact that this is one of those things that was super awesome when it happened. And people kind of like to make fun of it now because it's got a stupid video attached to it. And yeah, but so does Rock Me Tonight and so does Separate Ways and those songs rule as well. So let's move on from the video format and get straight down to the music. Because if you're a guy like John Reagan who got the bug to do this by seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. You got to imagine getting the call to come down and play on this track. And I've seen quotes of his where he talks about this and everybody involved in this song was in studio, which is not a thing that happens a lot nowadays. But back then it did. Back in the power station days, whenever it was time to cut under pressure, Freddie and David were both in the room together. And in this instance... All the guys involved, you do have David Bowie and Mick Jagger in the studio together, cutting that cover of Martha and the Vendellas Dancing in the Street, 1985, the whole big thing for Live Aid, the premiere on Live Aid, and we loved it then, and I love it still. And lo and behold, I actually, I think I found out right around the time that I was getting on the social media and making friends with some of these people, quote-unquote friends, and I just happened to run into a 12-inch copy of dancing in the street 
And like me, I still look on the credits and everything. And now that it's not just me owning the 45, which is the original purchase, now I've got the 12 inch. I'm looking at the credits and I see the damn guy's name on there. And I'm like, holy crap. You know, almost taking like some sort of weird stolen valor ownership over this. Like, my friend John. My friend John plays on this track. I was so happy. And it just took that song to an extra little level with me here. So, not only are we going to play the song right here, I'm going to do you one better because I am putting myself out there to put together the absolute best damn tribute to Mr. John Reagan. We are going to play Dance in the Street by David Bowie and Mick Jagger. Not going to play the single edit. Not going to play the slightly longer version that's on the best of Bowie. Went with this one, the import 12-inch British single remix dancing in the street why because there is a shit ton more bass on it and that's how you pay tribute to a guy so here is bowie and jagger with dancing in the street calling out around the world are you ready for a brand new beat some is here and the time is right for dancing in the street dancing in chicago down in New Orleans and New York City, all we need is music, sweet music. There'll be music everywhere. There'll be swinging, swaying, records playing, dancing in the street. Oh, it doesn't matter what you wear, just as long as you are there. So come on.
nation across the nation against my folks to me
Okay, yes, a surprise twofer right there. A surprise even for myself. I just went ahead and went with it because right off the bat on that track, you hear this bass guitar kick in, and it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. And you know where you are here. You're in the John Ring and Tribute show here on Rock Strikes 10. And then the reveal right there, yes, not only is Mick Jagger singing over some more John Ring and bass lines, this time it's with the entirety of the Rolling Stones. Well, I say entirety, but yes, how is this possible? Well, because Bill Wyman does not play on that track. John Reagan does. So how many times, especially in the initial era of the Stones, whenever Keith's not playing the bass or Ron Wood's not playing the bass, you'd figure Bill Wyman is, but not in this instance, on the album Dirty Work in 1986. And I'm assuming, I'm just speculating here, I don't remember the story if he's told it. I'm sure he has somewhere. But I guess he got the call to come down and cut this song. And bam, right there, you're on a Stones record, my friend. If you never do anything in your entire career, you play bass on one Rolling Stones song, that would carry me throughout my whole life for sure. And I would definitely probably never stop bragging about it. But... John's not that kind of guy. He was, once again, a very humble man. Did not put himself over too much. If someone asked him, he would answer the question, of course. But yeah, there he is right there. And I noticed, looking on the credits on this album, Anton Figg, longtime collaborator right there with John. I'm assuming if he has an ultimate rhythm section partner, it is that guy. And as you know, Anton played in Fraley's Comet with John. 
He has a credit for playing Shakers, which I know what that is. That was a drum line. But yes, of course, why would you bench Charlie Watts? But if you could still get on a Stones record, get on a Stones record. So right there, it's it's the first instance, but not the last by a mile, that Anton Fig and John Reagan will both be on a track together, much like this next song. And I, actually, I am speculating that Anton plays drums on this particular track because I could not find the individual credits for this song. But I'm going to do a little bit of assuming here because of the fact that John Reagan actually co-wrote this next song that I'm going to play here, and he has a bass credit on this album, and so does Anton Figg amongst them and a handful of other players. But I am going to assume that since he co-wrote the song, he's got to be playing on the damn track, right? I would think so, yes? And we're going to talk about this one right here. This is one you won't find on his Wikipedia, but this is a cool record right here. It is the fourth solo album by John Waite called Rover's Return. It came out in 1987. And I know for sure, just as far as John corroborating this, is that he played on track one on the album, which is a song called These Times Are Hard for Lovers. Very cool potential hit single that should have probably been a hit. A song that John Waite co-wrote with Desmond Child. There's a couple of extra Kiss connections right there. But with the involvement of Desmond on this record, it actually leads to a different other type of record down the road. Now, that's a lot to unwrap, but I'm going to get you there in the end. Okay, what did I mean by that? Well, the actual one song on this John Waite record that he has a co-write on is a song called Encircled. It's a song written by John Reagan, John Waite, and a guy named John McCurry, who would actually take this song, rewrite it with the aforementioned Desmond Child, and do it for an Alice Cooper record down the road. Now I'm called Trash that would come out about two years after this. And I don't even have to tell you what song it turned into, because once I play you this song and you hear that riff, you're going to be like, oh, I know that. So here you go. A couple of extra layers of fanboy music nerdy stuff here on Rock Strikes 10 that I'm sure John Reagan would appreciate. So here you go. Here is John Waite with Encircled.
All right, Encircled right there by John Waite. Song, once again, co-written by John Waite, Desmond Child, and John Reagan. John Reagan plays bass on that song. That song that would get recycled a couple of years later and turned into a top five hit for Alice Cooper. Song called Poison. Yes, I'm sure most of you easily figured that out within the first five seconds of that song. But just in case, here to hold your hand and guide you through things like this because that's what we do as music rock and roll podcasters and nerds and geeks and all that kind of stuff. But yes, we are all alike. That's why you are here, right? Yes, however you identify yourself, you are a friend of mine. Once again, I thank you for listening and I hope you are enjoying this memorial fallen tribute here to Mr. John Reagan. We move on here, and I am, by the way, I, I have no delusions that I am a perfect podcast host because I'll work hard on these shows, I will dig, I will do the thing, but sometimes I will just screw up. And then since, since I did, I actually played the wrong song just now. If I'm going chronological, I, I screwed up. So I was supposed to play this song before the John Waits song, but hey, we're going to go back one year to 1986. And it doesn't really break the streak of John Riggin working with British rock and roll stars that the ladies really like. Bowie, Jagger, John Waite. Trust me, John's no slouch. And this guy right here, who even I have a man crush on, at least at different points in my life, Mr. Billy Idol. This album right here from 1986, the follow-up to Rebel Yell, Whiplash, Smile. And this is one of those albums you will find on John Reagan's discography if you just are basic enough to go. Just look on the Wikipedia. Yes, you will see that he does have bass credits on this record. But if you actually have the physical album, you still won't know what song he played on. And I say song because he actually only played on one song on this record. So I remember this. I retained this little nugget of information over the years. I remember at some point... John Reagan had posted something on his social media and then somebody before I did asked, so you played on whiplash smile, right? And he was like, yes, I played on this one song right here. So yes, if any other podcasts want to play to be a lover or don't need a gun or anything like that to pay tribute to him, then, eh, you know, I mean, that's great, but uh, he didn't really play on those songs, but here's the song he played on. This one's called Man for All Seasons.
Billy Idol right there, Man for All Seasons off the album, Whiplash Smile from 1986. You've been paying attention to the bass on all these songs, right? It's no coincidence that all the bass lines on these songs are killer, killer bass lines. And as a little extra bonus tribute to the man, I will admit this right here, and he might get bad at me for doing this as well, but I am slightly tweaking the bass mix up on each of these tracks It's the least I can do. And absolutely the second I heard about John Reagan's passing, of course I was going to do a show. That was inevitable. No no doubt about it. It was definitely a wave of different kind of emotions. I will admit that there was this like selfish side of me that was upset and disappointed and into myself uh, because seems like he was a real personable guy and like i said anytime i reached out to him he answered my questions i heard him on multiple podcasts and he always seemed very inviting and everything and just the fact that i did not ever reach out to him to be on my show that is an absolute missed opportunity it's always going to bother me as a handful of other people that have passed that i definitely had that thing where well that was probably a realistic thing that could have happened so i've been dealing with that the other thing i thought of instantly is okay, I'm going to ask this person, this person, and this person to be like, hey, no pressure, but if you'd like to say something about John, please, you're invited to come on the show. If you're willing to do it, then send me the audio and done deal. And I will say this, one of the three that I reached out to actually said that he would do it, but unfortunately he was massively under the weather this last weekend. Uh, It was very serious but he's doing fine now so mr dale sherman wanted to send a shout out to john reagan i know he's interviewed him for some of his books before and he definitely had a lot of nice things to say about john and his passing go check out his social media there's a thing up there but i've got two cats here that are good friends of mine they're brothers and they sent in their audio tributes here to john reagan so without further ado let's go with the first one right here So stepping up here to the mic to tell you his memories 
about the now late great John Reagan. Here is my friend, Mr. Pete LaRussa. Hello, everyone, tuning into this episode of Rock Strikes 10. I'm here to pay my respects and to pay tribute to John Reagan. I, like many of you that are tuning in, heard about his sudden passing a couple of days ago. And immediately I was shocked because I had just seen him posting up on Facebook as of, I think, the day before. So uh, it, it, was, it was very shocking, to say the least, to find out that he had passed away. And the one thing I immediately said, I was, I was with my older brother, and the one thing I immediately said when we both found out was that I'll, I'll never forget that when we went to the KISS convention in New Jersey in April of 1990, it was actually the first one that I had ever gone to, John Reagan happened to be the first member of any band associated with KISS, or I would just say any musician that was associated with KISS in some way. He was the first one that I had ever met when we went to that KISS convention and overall. So I still remember, like it's yesterday, going up to him and asking him if I could take a picture. And he was just like, yeah, sure, no problem. You know, it's just very, very cool, down to earth. You know, like like a lot of people have, have noted about him. He was very genuine and, and seemed to really, really enjoy interacting with uh, fans of his work and fans of any of the bands that he had been playing in. And he signed the back of my KISS convention ticket and I still have that ticket and autograph and photo to this day. So he immediately made a big impression on me very quickly when I met him back in 1990. It was just only about half a year after Trouble Walkin' was released. So I had been aware of him and Furley's Comet for a while. So it was a great experience. And then later on in life, just seeing how he was on Facebook and hearing him on other podcasts and any interviews. He just always seemed like he was never interested in you know, drudging up any issues from the past that he had with Ace Frehley and KISS fans are, are very well aware of a lot of the issues that they had. And, and John Reagan always seemed to take the high road on a lot of that stuff. Whereas, you know, some of the people that were associated with Ace wouldn't take the high road so much. They would basically just be you know, blabbermouths for the sake of getting I don't know, clicks on their page or uh, people to buy their books. And John Reagan never seemed to be interested in any of that, whereas he could have easily have gone that route if he really wanted to, but he didn't. So I think that shows a lot of class on his part. And that's another thing that I'll, I'll never forget about him is that that kind of impression that he left, especially in this day and age where we're seeing a lot of unnecessary drama. And I would just say um, he was the antithesis of that. So between that and his excellent bass playing, I think it's well-deserved that we all pay tribute and respect to John Reagan. So with that, I'll close and say, rest in peace, John Reagan. And thank you for the great impression you left on me and for all the great music that you're leaving behind for us. 
Once again, thank you to my friend Pete LaRussa for that great tribute right there. That's definitely what this show is all about. How cool John Reagan was to his fans and making them feel like instant friends and that kind of thing. 
And thank you once again, Pete, for that story. That was great to hear. And I figured you wouldn't mind right there that we followed up with something somewhat KISS-related. That was the original version of Hide Your Heart. Yes, the original version performed there by Bonnie Tyler. But yes, I got to bring up the fact that that's the original version of Hide Your Heart for a couple of different reasons. Yes, that, that came out in the spring of 88 on the album of the same name, Hide Your Heart. John Reagan playing bass on that track. And once again, going by a little bit of memory here, I'm pretty sure this is right. John's the one that brought that song to Ace Fraley when they went to go do the album Trouble Walkin' a year after that. Because this was a song that Paul Stanley from KISS actually co-wrote with Holly Knight, powerhouse songwriter Holly Knight, and the other powerhouse songwriter that we mentioned earlier, Desmond Child. They all wrote that song together. They sent it out there. And, you know, it's one of those things. You write a song and see if people bite on it. Bonnie Tyler bided on it, recorded the first version. John Riggins in the session there playing on the bass. He brings it to Ace Fraley and was like, you should cover this song. It's a good song. Also, I'm sure he was thinking, well, Paul co-wrote it, so that's a fun bit. I'm, I'm assuming that's the case. So he brings it out to Ace. They record it for Trouble Walking. And that version also technically predates the Kiss version of Hide Your Heart. Because if I have it right, the Kiss version of Hide Your Heart is the third version that was released. <laughs> so John Riggin has the distinction of playing on the first two recorded versions of Hide Your Heart. How many of you knew that? I actually didn't realize, uh, full disclosure, I did not realize that he played on the Bonnie Tyler version. I'm sure he's actually mentioned that before. But I had forgotten about that. I knew that Bonnie recorded the first version, but I had no idea that John played on fucking both versions <laughs> before Kiss's version came out. What a crazy history with that song. And just to backpedal a bit on the Bonnie Tyler thing again, that record also contains the original version of the song The Best, which would become a bigger hit in America for Tina Turner. So another little fun fact right there. Also a Holly Knight co-write, the best, great song. So yeah, I, got, I feel like I got to turn to the camera like Dark Helmet and Spaceballs go, everybody got that? Okay, because I almost didn't get all that, but yes. Uh, but oh, what a show we got going on here. So yeah. So before we get to this next song here, let's go ahead and mention the other person that I reached out to that without hesitation said yes would definitely do a tribute here to Mr. John Reagan is this guy right here. Uh, this guy's another brother, man. I love him to death. He is the man. Uh, here is Mr. Ken Mills. Take it away, Ken. Thank you, Joey. We're all here today to talk about John Reagan, and it's a sad occasion of his passing. John was not really flashy, nor did he draw a lot of attention to himself. Um, I did an interview with him for the first time back with the Ashtabula Star Beacon <laughs> back in the days of Fraley's Comets. And both he and Todd really worked that band and did everything they could to make that band a success. And uh, John was kind of always the point guy, the quiet leader of the band, if you will. He was always such a good guy. Both he and Todd always went above and beyond. Anytime that I ever had to deal with John, it was always a man who was kind and compassionate and caring and funny. 
John was one of the good ones. Let's just be flat out honest. There's a lot of people in the world, especially in the world of show business, that once you get to know a bit behind the curtain, they're not really all what you thought they might have been. John's work speaks for itself. He was on so many things, played with so many artists, and Joey's going to give you a rundown of everybody and everything. But I do know that whether it was on his social media presence or at one of the shows or at any of the expos, John Reagan always had time for people, and he was always kind and generous. John Reagan, you will be missed. Thank you for being a friend to all of us who cared about this music. And thank you for the music as well. I feel that Peter Frampton really summed it up. John and Peter worked together, and Peter Frampton wrote, There might only be a handful, if that, of people who come into your world and truly enrich your life. I have lost one of my closest buddies. He certainly enriched my life because of the person and the great player he was. John Reagan was the best of us. He went out of his way to help people when things weren't right. It didn't matter who you were, prince or pauper. I know there are many of you out there who knew him. He was a friend to all. Always musically inspiring and one of the funniest people on the planet. My thoughts are with his wife Kathy, his children, Christopher and Janice, and his grandchildren. I love you, my brother, and you will be missed by so many. Rest in peace. Peter Chris from his website wrote, John was a kind and talented man. Every time we met, he was always a gentleman, and we enjoyed so much talking music together. May he rest in peace. Our love and prayers go out to his family, friends, and fans. God bless. Peter Chris. The Beatles say, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. And John wasn't flashy, but he was dependable as his base. You were one of the good ones, John.
Thank you so very much to the great Kim Mills for coming in and doing a tribute for Mr. John Regan right there. And that that says it all. I don't know if I could really put him over anymore besides just playing the tunes for the rest of the night because once Ken talks, I believe that to be the final word. But, man, Ken, thank you so much for doing that. Appreciate it. And I'm glad you brought up the Peter Frampton thing. Yeah. I mean, I I know John spent a lot of time with Frampton. Uh, They recorded a handful of records together. He did a lot of tours with Peter, and I know he was very proud of his time in that band. Uh, I probably saw more Peter Frampton posts than anything as far as him talking about the stuff that he used to do, hands down. And he used to bring up that track a handful of times. And he was like, it's a, it a big favorite of his. So I feel like if I could get a request off of him, it would be that song right there. That was Now and Again, the title track from Peter's 10th album. Came out at the beginning of 1989. And obviously, John co-wrote that song with Peter and a guy named B.A. Robertson. Uh, John actually co-wrote three songs on that record. So you've been hearing about how he plays with a lot of bigs. And he might have like a co-write on a record. He might have a credit on there. But he played all the bass on a handful of Frampton albums. He actually didn't play all the bass on that record. But he does play bass on that particular track there now and again. That was kind of them getting together and writing another song. And it's a great song. I, I could tell you for sure that would probably be his request for the night. So I was very happy to play that. That one gets a bit emotional, doesn't it? At least in the frame of mind that we're in right now. So for these next handful of tracks, we're going to have some fun here. Some upbeat stuff, getting to something upbeat and fun and party. And I've already talked about some of these people where I'm like, man, you played with Ace Fraley. You played with Bowie and Jagger and Chavo. No, just kidding. So (laughs) yeah, Billy Idol, John Waite. These are great credits. Uh, These next two, probably the ones like... I mean, as much for me, from a personal level of fandom, obviously you can't really do any better than Bowie and Jagger, right? And the Stones. But these two right here, man. Oof, man, how jealous am I? So getting back into uh, hanging out with Anton again. And I said Anton was the drummer in a good amount of the Fraley's Comet stuff. And obviously they were longtime friends. And on this particular album right here, a lot of people don't know this. And yes, you'll you'll see the credit for this album on his Wikipedia. And it's a great record, but not even realizing, I didn't realize this either, is that both John and Anton perform on the first three tracks on this record right here. And they're tremendous tracks. I love this whole album, but just the fact that it's got John and Anton on it, that just makes it all the better. And this is an album that doesn't really need any other heavy hitters or surgeons on it because you already got this album here. It's a Michael Monroe record. Michael's actual first solo album called Not Faking It. And there's a lot of involvement with Little Steven. And I I know that Steven helped produce it. And so you have all these things going on. There's a lot of killer players on here. And just the fact that John and Anton are on it just adds to it, makes it just that much better. But speaking of adding to it, all these people that I mentioned are involved in this track, but you also have yet another guest star playing on this song right here. Another one of the all-time great songwriters and rock stars, Ian Hunter, showing up to play on this track and plays piano on this track right here, along with everybody else that's in the house for this one right here. From Michael Monroe's Not Faking It record, this is She's No Angel. Turn it up. 
Yes, She's No Angel by Michael Monroe, one of my all-time favorite rock stars, singers, frontmen, what have you. You got Little Steven in there in the mix. Uh, Freaking Nasty Suicide from Hanoi Rocks is on that track. Brian James. Brian James of The Damn and Lords of the New Church actually does some backup vocals on that. So, yeah, Anton and John Regan also on that track. What an amazing session that must have been. And that was actually a cover of a heavy metal kids song, which I don't know a ton about those guys other than their name and reputation, but I definitely need to go down the rabbit hole in that because according to the credits here on the record, that song was co-written by Gary Holden of the heavy metal kids, along with Steve Bader's speaking of Lords of the new church and Michael Monroe also co-wrote that song. So yeah, just killer stuff right there. And we're going to continue on with the killer stuff right here. I know that John was very proud of his work on this record. And, you know, unlike a handful of these big credits I'm talking about, John played on the entirety of this record. He played 100% of the bass on this album. 
also happens to be one of my favorite albums ever from one of my absolute number one guys right here, Diamond David Lee Roth. I was talking about how a regret of mine was not reaching out to him to be on my show. I was so close to doing it too because I thought I might have had like one of the ultimate like handshakes here because just a few weeks ago I actually finally purchased this album on vinyl. David Lee Roth, Your Filthy Little Mouth and John being a great part of this record and it's just it's one of my favorite Dave records I have long called it Dave's most honest record it's got genres galore on it and all all the lyrics and quote-unquote philosophy it's just Dave all the way so I think Your Filthy Little Mouth is probably his most honest record and it's just a lot of fun to me and I just I listen I've listened to it a lot since it's been out it's almost 30 years old now and to finally buy it on vinyl. And I was finally going to get the balls to like message John again and be like, hey, I bought it on vinyl. And even kind of maybe do a like a, do you have this on vinyl thing? And I, I don't know if he does or not. He probably does. I would hope so at least. Uh, but once again, I know he was very proud of his time on this record. And one of the questions I initially reached out to him back in the day was, hey, I know about the one B-side on here, Mississippi Power, but is there anything else left over? Did you play on anything else to your recollection with Dave? And he's like, there is no other unreleased stuff from this album. So it was disappointing to hear that, but at the same time, I was happy to like get confirmation and a little bit of extra information about one of my favorite records of all time. But yeah, I've been talking about, oh man, so jealous that he got to play on this. This is probably the one I'm most jealous of playing on Dave Lee Ross' record. And I'm sure it's a hoot and a half just to be in the studio with that guy because, you know, you probably don't get a ton of work done. Who knows? Maybe you do. Maybe Dave really puts his work hat on in the studio. But this was kind of one of those things where, well, John doesn't have any co-writes on this. And obviously Dave doesn't need anybody to write lyrics for him, but he didn't get any musical credits on there either. Like I said, he plays bass on the whole thing. So the idea with this pick was, I just want to find something where John really shines on it. And there's a lot of cool, like just live band and studio sounds on this record. And that's another thing I really like about it. It sounds like a band playing in a studio because it is. But this one right here, I think it has some of John's best bass lines on it on the whole record. And I should know. I'm the fucking expert on this record for sure. <laughs> Look no further than me. I will brag about that at least. Uh, but yes, here is the title track from Your Filthy Little Mouth. Turn it up. <laughs> Listen here, you can do your bad and try long without special 
Uh, so yeah, context, language, and Dave lyrics aside, that could easily be like just a slamming country rock song, but obviously in the hands of David Lee Roth, it's a Dave song. But there you have it, Your Filthy Little Mouth, from the album of the same name, 1994. Spring of 1994, I still remember that one. I kicked off Spring Break 94 with that one, and never looked back, and when you're with Dave, it's permanently Spring Break. Or it's always happy hour, as he says, from 5 till February. Okay, I only get one per show. Yes, we're getting close to the end here of the show. we got one more song to play. And I played Eugene at the top of the show. And I'd be remiss if I didn't play at least something from John Riggins' time with Ace Fraley. There's a good handful of stuff out there that John was massively involved in with ace the first fraley's comet record second sighting there's the life plus one ep and i think the best one easily is trouble walking if i had to pick one uh so yeah it was there was a handful of songs i wanted to play like i said i wanted to play fractured too because john co-wrote that with ace and he's got a bunch of really cool parts on it but i figured this works the best as the outro I know that in addition to bringing Hide Your Heart to Ace, if I'm not mistaken, I know for sure he brought Do Ya to Ace because I do specifically remember him talking about that on at least a couple of podcasts. Yeah, he brought Do Ya, which actually became kind of a minor hit off of that record. So good ear right there, John. And I know he co-wrote the song Back to School on there, which featured background vocals by Skid Row, especially Sebastian Bach. You can hear him on that track. But he also co-wrote this one right here. This is the last song on the record. So I'm just going to say the last song that him and Ace ever did together. And you can hear him all over this track as well. I figured it's a fitting closing right here. We're going to close off this tribute here to our friend John Reagan with Fractured 3. Enjoy.
Uh, great closer right there for my money. You got these three guys really locked in to this really killer instrumental. That's Ace Fraley along with Anton Fig back there on the drums. And a lot of percussion there. Just what a great drummer also. And John Reagan right there on bass. You can hear him all through that track. I didn't even have to turn the bass up even though I did a little bit. But that was Fractured 3. I like it better than 2. It's hard to beat that first one, but Fractured 3 is a great piece, and I feel like that's a fitting tribute to close off this show here today. Uh, while I was listening to that, I thought of this post just randomly in my head. Like I said, I've been following the guy on social media since I've been on social media, and I remember this is probably just a few years ago, but it was like a gift. I'm not sure if it was a birthday gift or a Christmas gift or what, but I remember him talking about his son made it god this is going to be rough uh his son had made like a custom plaque for him that basically like had his name on there and like did what we did here on the show today had a lot of his big credits uh, on the plaque is is just kind of a way of commemorating his recording career because yeah john had been decently active the last few years he played in four by fate which uh, unfortunately i didn't play anything on the show here tonight that was him getting back with Todd Howarth, and I know that uh, Anton was involved in it for a little bit. It was basically just Fraley's Comet without Fraley. <laughs> That's what it was initially. Uh, and then, uh, weirdly enough, uh, A.J. Perot, just before he passed away, was playing with that band a little bit too. So it's a cool little conglomerate of performers right there. But yeah, uh, his son had made him a plaque, all of uh, his big credits on there. So it served as a, as a big tribute to his career, and I, I still remember that. So... I'm assuming that that plaque will hang forever in his house. And, uh, man, our hearts massively go out to his family. It's It's got to be just, I can't even imagine. I wouldn't want to imagine. But in the just-in-case, like any possible member of the Reagan family actually ever hears this, just know that us fans, we felt very honored and privileged to, you know, even get any amount of time with this guy. And you had all these decades with him. So you guys, very fortunate. And as you could tell, he's very missed. So we'd like to say we love you guys and we love you, John. Thank you for, and people use this term a lot. It's so much, it's almost cliche, but massively in the soundtrack of my life. <laughs> I own like all these records. Thank you once again. That's all I can really say. And also just thank you to everybody if you're listening to this show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And this is probably a bit more morose than some of the average Fallen episodes I do. I try to keep it light on some of those other ones, but I just couldn't help it. I took this one a little personally, so... That all being said, uh, the music rules. I hope you enjoyed that, even if the show overall is a little sad. But once again, thank you for listening. Before I just babble any further, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. I'm going to go listen to some more of these records that John played on. But until the next episode, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. 
If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.